we've got one or two people uh, visiting us today. Just discreetly indicate if you're visiting us today. Bless you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks everyone else for coming back. Does God speak to you? Does God speak to you? How does God speak to you? Let's pray. Well, I thank you that you do speak to us, some one way, some another, some through creation. Many of us in prayer, many, many of us in this congregation through the words of Scripture. Thank you that you are a God that speaks and goes on speaking. Help us to hear and go on hearing. Help us to put it into practice in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I'm particularly focusing on the way that God's spoken to to us through Scripture. We're looking at Romans and um, the Bible passage from Romans has spoken, Romans 3 has spoken uh, very specifically to many saints and uh, he might not like himself to be called a saint but I'm going to call him one anyway, every follower of Jesus Christ is a saint. Martin Luther um, was spoken to through Romans 3. He became a main agent of change through the Reformation but for many years before that he was someone that I read was described as being tormented Someone who longed for peace within. He had a troubled heart and a troubled conscience. He was in a dark and desperate state, mind and soul, and found it impossible to escape this prison, if you like, of his own accord. When reading the letter to the Romans, Luther had a revelation, I think it was Romans 3, that Jesus had provided for his much, much longed liberation if and only if he placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The letter to the Romans makes it clear that all humans from the beginning of time have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standards. Jesus is the only one who's lived a sinless life and through his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus has become the one perfect sacrifice that can remove the curse of sin in all our lives. It teaches us that all people, despite our best efforts, that no one on the basis of their merit will ever be fit to be in close relationship with God. We read that God had a salvation plan through Jesus that is extended to all people. We are saved, receive the gift of his forgiveness and eternal life only when we put our faith in Jesus. My son Tim realised that we were preaching on Romans and it's something that in his church it's in St. Aldate's Oxford that they've done. And they've got some very expert Bible teachers there. Most of us come to the passage of Romans 
And I don't know very many people who would come to it confidently thinking they got it all sussed out. Anyway, he thought I needed to do a little bit of reading around the subject. And he suggested a book from his colleague, Simon Ponsonby, who's preached uh, 52 sermons on the book of Romans. We're only doing a handful uh, this time. So I was reading his book and there's some profound stuff in Simon's book and he obviously draws on the wisdom of lots of other people. Uh, But there's one thing um, that uh, caught my attention. I don't know whether this is going to do it for you, but uh, I asked the question, what what do you want to hear first, the good news or the bad news? We've probably got, um, you've probably been asked that question before. Anyway, here is an apocryphal story. A chap wakes up after surgery and the doctor says, I've got some good news and some bad news. Which would you like to hear first? The patient answers, give me the bad news. The doctor says, I've cut off the wrong leg. The patient was in shock. There were screams of horror, gathering himself back together. And the good news? The doctor replied, the other leg's getting better. The bad news in the context of Romans is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and need treatment. The bad news is that some people refuse to deal with their sin and find themselves cut off from God. The bad news is that no matter how hard we try, however good that we are, there's nothing that we can do in our own strength to deal with the problem of sin. The bad news for Jews is that religious observance, obedience to the law, would never be enough to earn their salvation. The bad news is that we, if we ignore God and his will for our lives, we put ourselves beyond his protection. At the end of chapter 1 of the book, uh, letter to the Romans, there's a list, not an exclusive list, of all the things that we can be given over to that put us in spiritual jeopardy. It highlights idolatry, sinful desires, the power of lust, Worshipping created things rather than the creator. Romans 1 has also been used to argue for boundaries for sexual activity, but does not deal with the live issue of sexual orientation. The good news and the bad news for all Gentiles and therefore us is that we too have to answer to God. Romans 1 verse 20 is clear that we're going to be without excuse. If we've not heard the gospel, creation will make the gospel known. The good news and the bad news, whether we accept it or not, or like it or not, is that because God is all loving and all just, that there's going to be a reckoning, a time of judgment for all. God gives us enough opportunity to set the record straight. The good news is that Christians like the Apostle Paul are and were not ashamed of Jesus or his gospel. 
And more importantly, that Jesus has the power to save us from our sins and bring salvation to everyone who believes in him. Romans 3, if you've got your Bibles, verses 22 to 25, gives a very helpful summary of the Apostle Paul's diagnosis. Puts it in perspective. There's some complicated words that I'm going to come back to, but if you've got your Bible open, you can be spotting them just as well as I can. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's verse 22. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, and I think this is so important, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are freely justified. There's a good news story here. Justified by his grace through the, through the redemption, another big word, that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of another big word, atonement through faith in his blood. These are complicated theological words and ideas, but they all spell good news for all who will respond to Jesus in faith. Righteousness is good news. Romans 2 verse 15 says that the righteous requirements of the law can be written on our hearts. We can have an inner knowing about God's right and God's wrong. You might have met people like that who come to faith and all of a sudden their behaviours change. They've not written, read very much or heard very much. They just know to behave differently. In faith, we can take on Jesus' righteousness. He was without sin. We can be declared in the right by God. Hallelujah. Justification is good news. We can take on God's goodness, his righteousness, Rightness, despite our failings, despite our sins. From God's perspective, when we put our faith in Jesus, confess our sins, it's just as if we've never sinned. It's the language of the law courts. God is our just and merciful judge. He declares us to be innocent and free to live our lives without guilt or condemnation. Hallelujah. That was enthusiastic. I'm building up. Grace is good news. Grace is a gift from God which we could never earn. We receive his unmerited favour through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross which cancelled our sin. And I was reminded at a 9.15 service a few weeks ago, we all know the acronym for grace, don't we? God's riches at Christ's expense. Hallelujah. Redemption is good news. We can be redeemed, set free from the consequences of our sin. Someone at eight o'clock prayed about this Sunday being Freedom Sunday. I'd not heard about that, but there's loads and loads of people caught in freedom, human trafficking, lots of slavery. And it's as if Jesus has purchased the way out from that stuff. But more importantly for us from the consequences for our sin. Atonement is good news 
at-one-ment. In the Old Testament, atonement for sins required the shedding of the blood of an animal. In Jesus, this practice was no longer necessary. Jesus became the once-for-all perfect sacrifice for our sins. Romans 3 verses 22 and 23. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe without exception but requires faith in him. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are freely justified by his grace. When you're thinking about these things, none of our illustrations, mine at least, feel adequate to sum up what Jesus has done for us. I've been really struggling with this. I've come up with a really, really lame illustration about some of this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. A few years ago, um, it was important to me, but my children learned to ski, and I didn't want them just to be learning at my expense on the snow, on the ski slopes. so we decided to go to one of these indoor ski domes at Milton Keynes. And I'd been there a few times, and I went and I parked up, And it was only afterwards when driving back in weather like this that I put the wipers on and they were going to and fro and there appeared to be something, a very uninvited um, bit of, um, I don't know, in plastic. You can guess what it was. If I was to choose a profession that I could have made millions at, it was being a parking attendant, I think, uh, because there's lots of opportunity for this sort of thing. But I had this ticket. I thought, I don't know how I've got that. I've parked in this car park time and time again. I never had to pay They've sort of changed the rules. So I went back and was investigating. I went to the people and and it was escape or something like that. But they had some people very professionally to look after the parking for them, separating. Anyway, I had no option but to appeal. And uh, I looked around and it just wasn't obvious that I had to buy a ticket. So I was feeling a bit self-righteous at the time. I thought, I'll give it a go. Did the appeal and I got the standard response. And of course, I was very graceful about the standard response. It didn't upset me at all. Uh, And uh, (laughs) I thought, I'm just not having this. I'm going to ring them up. Is it you bang on the door? And I sort of got through beyond, I don't know, the sort of high levels of security that protect these people from people like me. And, um, and I did actually get to speak to someone in the end who listened, who accepted that the rules had changed. And actually, the sign wasn't very clear that I need to pay. You know what? They let me off. Hey. <laughs> I did have to pay the parking, which I thought was fair enough, but they let me off. And I said, thank you, your response has been graceful. It feels just. Thank you, your response feels great, graceful. It feels just. I had trespassed, but they were graceful. It feels so good when we receive a graceful response rather than a legalistic response. However, we're not going to be able to argue our innocence before God. That's Jesus' job. There'll be no scope for us to justify our behaviour. That will be Jesus' job based on his good behaviour and not on ours. 
none of us are going to be able to claim innocence. We've all been given lots of signs and wonders to point to God. Most of us have seen and received the spoken word from God. And if not that, just have a look at creation. Maybe it's a little bit masked this morning, but rain is good. All have sinned, verse 22. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are freely justified by his grace. Looking for examples, trawling my own life, sadly my memory of being graceful and being forgiven, being completely washed clean from the inside out, and that's the promise. My memory of these things and my excitement and my gratitude about these things goes strangely fuzzy over time. So I turn to a gospel passage to illustrate Luke 7, I'm always humbled and inspired by the story in Luke 7, Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. It was shocking to the Pharisee observers that she was even allowed to approach Jesus. Weeping, she proceeds to touch and kiss his feet. Doesn't Jesus know who she is and what she's done? She wets Jesus' feet with her tears, wipes them with her hair, anoints them with perfume. The Pharisees are alarmed. In response, Jesus tells a story about debt, forgiveness and love. The key message... Those who are forgiven much, love much. He turns to the woman, Luke seven forty eight. Your sins are forgiven. He tells her that her faith has saved her and to go in peace. It's a peace that eluded Martin Luther and so many others for years. It might be a peace that's eluded you. But once discovered, through finding Jesus, through faith, it transformed not only Martin Luther, but every other person who's put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ before and since. Our faith saves us. And we can also and need also to know God's peace. I ask myself the question, where am I, if there's a spectrum, on the faith, forgiveness, peace, gratitude spectrum? It's a bit of a complicated spectrum, but I think you need one before the other. It's a bit of a progression. Through faith, we can know forgiveness and peace. And surely, surely, given the enormity of the gift we should have overflow in gratitude. Our mission is to help people to hear, receive and celebrate and then share God's good news. Faith in Jesus is the key that unlocks our salvation and others. It's the only way 
to put us in a right relationship with God. Let's pray.